Good morning, friends. It is, uh, as always, a privilege to stand before you this morning. I get to bring you the word, and uh, we, we are continuing on our journey of what on earth am I here for? And uh, I hope that you are having some uh, really fruitful discussions in your groups and that you are navigating purpose um, and influencing people's lives to the positive. Amen. Amen. just want to remind you that if you, if you haven't yet joined a group or if you've just kind of been hearing us talk about it and hearing some of the testimonies and, 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 and um, observing from the, from the sidelines, you can still get involved. Um, you can still get involved. You can still uh, join a group. You can still start a group. Uh, even post this campaign, this is a great tool for you to use to be a blessing in whatever environment you find yourself in. Please turn your Bibles with me to the book of Luke chapter 19. Uh, and that is where we're going to uh, camp out today, chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. And uh, today the theme that we're looking at is, uh, is how we... We, we, can, we, we grow uh, into more and more Christ-likeness. Part of the purpose that we live out as Christians uh, is to become more and more Christ-like. Uh, and uh, part of the purpose that we, the, part of the purpose journey that, we, that you may be on as, as a non-Christian is to get closer and closer to Jesus until you see for yourself what everybody else has been talking about. I want to share two stories, uh, one from, from the Bible and, um, and, and uh, one is a, is a contemporary story. Uh, the, uh, the Bible story is what we'll be focusing on in Luke chapter 19, and that's the story of Zacchaeus. Uh, but before we go there, I want to read something to you about a missionary named Otto Koning. Otto Koning was a missionary in New Guinea. He worked among a native tribe that had known only their village ways. One of those village ways was stealing from others. When Otto and his wife arrived and moved into a hut, the natives often came by to visit. The Konings would notice that after the natives had left the missionary's home, various household items had disappeared. They saw these items again when they went to preach in the native's village. The only fruit Otto could grow on the island was pineapples. Otto loved pineapples, and he took pride in the pineapples he was able to grow. However, whenever the pineapples began to ripen, the natives would steal them. Otto could never keep a ripe pineapple for himself. This was a frustration, and he became angry with the natives. All during the seven-year period in which this took place, Otto preached the gospel to these natives, but never had a conversion. The more the natives stole, the angrier Otto became. Finally, one day, Otto had a German shepherd dog flown in from another missionary <laughs> to protect his pineapple garden after other frustrated efforts failed. You see, this is a spiral. This only further alienated the natives from him. Otto took a furlough to the United States and attended a conference on personal rights. At this conference, he discovered that he was frustrated over the situation because he had taken personal ownership of his pineapple garden. After much soul-searching, he gave his garden to God. 
Soon the natives started having problems among their tribe. They discovered that Otto was the reason for their problems because he gave his garden to his God. The natives saw a correlation between what Otto had done and their own lives being affected by calamities in their village. When Otto gave his garden to God, he no longer got angry and was free from worry. The natives started bringing him fruit from their garden because they didn't want any more calamities to come into their village. The light came on one day when a native said to Otto, you must have become a Christian, Otto. You don't get angry anymore. (laughs) We always wondered if we would ever meet a Christian. (laughs) They had never associated Otto with the kind of person he was preaching about because his message did not line up with his life. Otto was broken in spirit when he realized he had been such a failure. At the end of seven years, he witnessed his first conversion, and many began coming to Christ once he fully gave his garden to God. The fruit grew so abundant that Otto began exporting it and growing other types of fruit, such as bananas. His village became the most evangelized in the whole region, yet for seven years, he had not one convert. This story is funny, it's convicting, and I I hope that it's also inspiring because what it tells me as I read this story is that there is hope. Otto, who is a missionary, a man after God's heart, who is willing to sacrifice, forego the pleasures and luxuries, to go live amongst the tribal people, had still had room to grow. And so, if God would be willing to labor and work with him and patiently bring him to a place of revelation, then God is able to work with me also. And so there's hope in that regardless of where you're at, whether you are Otto, the missionary, uh, or whether you are Zacchaeus, whom we're about to read about, um, God uh, is, is, is willing to labor with you and bring you to a place of completeness. Amen. Zacchaeus is slightly different from Otto, slightly different agenda, and, um, and the context is different. And so when we meet Zacchaeus, uh, Jesus is walking into, into Jericho, and he's on his way to, to Jerusalem, and, uh, and so he encounters, uh, uh, Zacchaeus hears that Jesus is passing through, and, and he wants to uh, see, see it for, for himself. Now, the first time we hear of the time of, of the town of Jericho, and maybe some of you will be able to think of it as way, 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 way back in the Old Testament, um, when the Israelites had entered into the uh, over the Jordan into the Promised Land, and they started to that was that was their first um, engagement of of war. But we see there that there was a prostitute by the name of Rahab who received the people of God, and when you receive the people of God, and when you serve the people of God, you receive and you serve God himself. And so God was received in the town of Jericho by the most unlikely host. Even as thousands of years later, he would be received in the town of Jericho by a most unlikely host, a tax collector, a chief uh, tax collector. God is able to use you regardless of where you're at, 
regardless of what you've done, regardless of what your label is, regardless of what your, your reputation is. Rahab was a, uh, was a prostitute, and so she had that label uh, that followed her around. Some of us wear our, our labels um, as a badge, almost as a badge of honor, and so uh, maybe I'm the guy who's known for bagging all the ladies, you know, that's not what I'm known for. Um, now, uh, <laughs> but maybe that is what you're known for now, currently, um, and maybe that is what you're popular for amongst your group, and, um, and uh, uh, regardless of what that is, I mean, if, if that is what you're known for, God is not impressed, your friends might be, it grieves his heart, it hurts women, stop it, um, and, and God... And God can still use you. But, but we, have various, we have various labels um, that we wear that, that, um, that follow us around. And so let's look at the story of Zacchaeus and, um, and see what it is that was um, the label that followed him around. So Luke 19 says, that, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. So when we first meet Zacchaeus, there are a few things, a few descriptors that come out about him. We're told that he is a tax collector. In fact, that he's chief amongst the tax collectors. We're told that he is a rich man and also that he is of short stature. All of these descriptions are important for us to understand the interaction that Zacchaeus would have with Jesus. Firstly, as a tax collector, Zacchaeus was not a popular man as a chief tax collector more so. And the reason being that the job of the tax collector was to, missed you of mysteries, collect taxes. And he would collect taxes on behalf of the ruling government. And the government that was ruling them at this, in this time was the Roman government. And so his job was to go into his community and to take money and possessions from his own community, and to turn that over to the officials for Caesar. 
and people hated him for it because it was burdensome. The second reason that tax collectors were not, were not popular was because they were known to be corrupt. They're known to be corrupt because they would collect more than what was required. And then they would keep the rest for themselves. And so Zacchaeus had managed to amass a small fortune for himself and had become quite skilled at the art of the brown envelope. But it didn't win him any popularity contest. So we see that his friends and the people that he hung out with were other tax collectors. In fact, the Pharisees called him a sinner, chief among sinners, because, well, you're a tax collector. But, but secondly, the Pharisees called anyone a sinner who didn't follow their laws. And so they, they, they regarded him as, a, as, as, a, as, as somebody who uh, needed to be on the outskirts. Now, when, as a society, we start to put certain labels on people, and we treat them according to those labels, inevitably a hierarchy emerges. And some people are pushed to the peripheries and to the sidelines. And these people are naturally going to gravitate towards one another and find solace in a sub-community. We fail as a church if that is what we mirror. If in the church we have labels that cause exclusivity, that caused other people to be closed out and to be on the peripheries and to find it difficult to form family within the church community. I know many of you have struggled to press into church community and have found it sometimes to be clicky, have found it sometimes to be judgy, have found it sometimes to be weird because it's not what you're used to. Make it your business to undo the barrier marks, to remove the labels, and to treat people the way that Jesus interacted with Zacchaeus. See, when Jesus met Zacchaeus, he didn't treat Zacchaeus according to his label. In fact, the name Zacchaeus means pure and innocent. How far had Zacchaeus strayed from his identity? Until the moment that he encountered Jesus, he lived something false and something fake until the moment that he encountered Jesus and Jesus called him by his name. Everybody else called him Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector. Zacchaeus, the sinner. Jesus calls him Zacchaeus. Innocent, pure. He redeems him. And the story that we've read unravels, and it's a beautiful, beautiful story. In verse 3, the Bible tells us that Zacchaeus sought to see who Jesus was. He sought to see Jesus. There's two points in that. The first thing is that what Zacchaeus was displaying is a spiritual reality that is true of every single one of us, regardless of where we fall on the spectrum. We all have an innate desire to seek out and to see Jesus. 
whether we're willing to confess it or not, some of us openly pursue him because that is what we're aware of it. Some of us are not aware of it. So we pursue and attach ourselves to things. I wanna propose to you that there really is no such thing as disconnection. There only is connection to something else. We're always connected. The question is just what we're connected to. We're always seeking Jesus. The question is, are we connected to him? Are we close to him? Or is it a counterfeit that we're connected to? And so is it something other than God, than who Jesus is, that has made promises to you, promises to fulfill some kind of a longing, a loneliness, a yearning, a pain, a desperation inside of you. Good news is, Jesus is here to meet you this morning. Second point is that, practically speaking, Zacchaeus would have heard about Jesus, right, before Jesus came into the town. Jesus' reputation had gone ahead of him. So Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus, and what he had heard about Jesus made him want to know more. Made him want to see Jesus. Now, that is awesome that that was the reality, because the unfortunate thing is that more than I'd like to admit, in our world today, the things that people hear about Jesus, see about Jesus from what we as Christians do and what we say do not inspire them to run and to draw towards Jesus. They're off-putting and cause people to turn the other way. Because when people think of Jesus or when people think of Christians, they think of judgment. They think of intolerance. They think of harshness. They think of of narrow-mindedness. They think of religious ways. They don't don't think of warm and welcoming, of of friendly and and servant-heartedness. And and we we see people kick kick out in various ways, and if you follow social media, you'll see a lot of it uh, pop up. And our job is to stand in that gap and with our words, and with our actions, represent the kind of Jesus that people are going, I want, I want to see. I want to draw a little bit closer. I, I, I heard this Jesus is in town. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a plan to see this Jesus. And so Zacchaeus sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. He was a short man. He literally fell short. (laughs) And so Zacchaeus found himself in a scenario where the internal desires that he was feeling, he could not meet with the external resources that were at hand. Now we know he had external resources. Bible describes him as a rich man. He was a rich man. He had money. But the money that he had and the treasures that he had could not fulfill the desires and the longing in his heart. And the money that he had didn't bring him closer to Jesus. And so 
he started to assess himself and to realize, hang on, I think I know what the problem is. I'm short. I bring good news to you vertically challenged. (laughs) Your height is not your issue. Let's just deal with it now. If that's been your life's insecurity, I've just solved your life. Your your height is not your problem. You know what your problem is? Proximity to Jesus. Zacchaeus assessed the situation and realized, my height is an issue, I'm going to solve it. And oftentimes, that is exactly what we are guilty of. Quickly assessing and quickly coming up with a solution. Solution that oftentimes runs ahead of Jesus. He ran ahead of Jesus. We know that the disciples had a time when they ran ahead of Jesus. They found themselves in a storm. Jesus had to come along and rescue them. Our plans often run ahead of Jesus. And so... We fall into the trap, the the if-only trap. Ever been in the if-only trap? It's a maze. If only I had more money, I would be happier. If only I would get more recognition at work, I would feel affirmed and I would be happy and that everything would work out. If only I was in a relationship, I wouldn't feel this lonely and this yearning and this desperation. If only I was, I was taller than what I am. If only I was more popular. If only, if only, if only. We can spend the day filling in the missing part. But none of those are the issue. We can give you money. We can give you looks. We can give you height. We can give you popularity. None of these things are the issue. Proximity to Jesus. You want to grow? You want to become more like Christ? Get closer to Christ. It's really a simple, simple, simple formula. We need the kind of proximity that can only be gained by responding to invitation. We can't wangle it. We can't make it happen. The Old Testament is proof of that. Read it. Zacchaeus was short. And guess what? We are all short. We are all short. Look at the person to your right and just tell them, you're particularly. (laughs) I wasn't going to say anything until the pastor pointed it out. but It's out there. But have peace. He said it's not your issue. It's not the main problem in your life. We all fall short. None of us have what it takes. And because we're all short, we all don't see our full potential. We're all yearning and we all don't see and we're all trying to get around stuff and challenges and we're all trying to, we'd love to fulfill our potential but I don't see what it is. And and there's things in my way and I've, I've got excuses and Jesus is over here and I'm trying to get around that. 
And because we're all so short, we're all insecure. And we, and because we're insecure, and this is the nature of insecurity, we have fear. Fear of being discovered. Fear of people seeing my insecurity. Are people going to notice that I'm short? Are people going to notice? Are people going to see my weakness? And so what do I do on a Sunday when I come to church? I, I wrap up my weakness nicely and I leave it at home. And I come to church. And I project strength. Praise God, hallelujah. God is good all the time. Run, oh man, that's so, that worship was so powerful. Those, these tears are tears of joy, don't worry about it. <laughs> all projecting, all pretending. But all carrying weakness. And if we were to just recognize what the Bible says about weakness, we would be so liberated because what, what, what the Bible tells us is that, is that our weakness, when we bring it to God, he brings his strength. It says that our weak, it says his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Not, not we bring strength, we bring strength to God and his name is glorified in our strength. That's not what the Bible teaches. It says your weakness is what makes his, his strength to be perfected in you. Not your strength, not your pretense, not your projections of how you'd like to be seen. It's your weakness that glorifies him. Stop pretending. Stop pretending to have it all together. Are there some issues in your life? Guess what? There's issues in all our lives. Get to Victory Weekend. Take active steps to deal with it. Be open. Ask for prayer. Press into community. Join a connect group. Don't own the weakness. Do something about it. And don't leave it at home either. Because it's there when you get back. It doesn't. It's the most logic I've said all morning. Don't allow the pub to be safer than the church. If I had the mic, I would drop it right now. <laughs> so he saw Jesus. Um, and verse 4 says, So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. Ran ahead, knew Jesus was going to pass this way, so he finds a tree to climb. Because what I desire to do and what I'm able to do are at odds I find a tree to climb. I know what I need to do. I know what I ought to do. But I don't feel like I have what it takes. So I'll find a tree to climb. I'll make a plan. I'll, I'll find the nearest, the thing that's, that, that's right in front of me. The, 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 the thing that promises to numb the pain. Whatever it is that, prom that makes the, the best kind of promises. Whatever quick fix is available. Whatever thing that I can just escape into, I'll run for that. So I'll spend my evenings binging on Netflix. 
because then I don't have to deal with my reality. I'll, 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 I'll get into alcohol and substance abuse because then I, I feel a little bit more confident and I can deal. I'm going to go around and sleep with as many people as I can because I'm trying to attach myself to something and nothing is working. We all find a, a tree to climb. But Jesus comes along and he stands under Zacchaeus' tree and he says, Zacchaeus, Come down, buddy. I want to have supper with you. Zacchaeus quickly climbs down when he recognizes that the very desire that he's carrying in his heart is standing there inviting him in. I've often thought that Jesus is African. And now I have proof. Jesus invites Zacchaeus to dinner at his own house. <laughs> There's nothing more African. <laughs> Don't tell me we're not in the Bible. But I also, I love this picture of grace. The grace doesn't climb into the tree with you and sit there with you and encourage you to remain in your, in your place of mediocrity. Doesn't make it okay for you to make your own plan. Titus 2 verse 11 says, the grace of God appears to all men and teaches us to say yes to what is righteous. No to what is right. It pulls us up. Grace is a pull-up force. It pulls you out of mediocrity into a better place. Grace is not a get out of jail free card. It's not a let me make, it, make, it be, make you feel better and placate you in your place kind of thing. Grace is a no. Don't stay in the tree when you can sit across Jesus at the dinner table force. That's what grace is. And so this, this invitation is extended And as soon as that invitation is extended, verse, verse 7 says, But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Let me tell you something. You need to get up and go after Jesus. You need to press in for proximity. You need to grow. Not only do you commit to grow in your workplace or in your in your place of passion, whatever it is that you do during the day, you grow in those areas, even more so, you press into Christ-likeness. And when you do, they will come up. And they will suddenly have something to say. And they will criticize. And you won't know who exactly they is, but they has a loud voice. And if you let it in, it will hamstring you, but do not be governed by they. So when Jesus invites you to dinner at your own house, you respond enthusiastically. And if they tell you that how dare you let Jesus, holy and mighty, into your lowly little house, you don't pay attention to they. You focus on Jesus. 
And if Jesus gives you a mandate and tells you to go after stuff and they are standing on the sidelines saying, you're not qualified, you don't have what it takes, you don't have the experience, your, your profile doesn't qualify, how dare you go for what you're going for? You don't focus on they, you focus on Jesus. Do not be governed by they. They are trying to keep you down. But the grace of God is pulling you up. Here's how you do it. Look at what, what Zacchaeus did when they were trying to have a voice in his conversation with Jesus. He stands up. This is his response. He stands up and says, look, Lord, I'm giving away half of my stuff. I'm giving away half my stuff to the poor. And where I've cheated people, I'm going to restore times four. That'll shut they up. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus' repentance wasn't a convenient words repentance. It wasn't a, oh, excuse. <laughs> there was a willingness to walk a journey. There was a willingness to restore. There was a willingness to repent. There was a willingness to change even if it hurt him, even if it cost him up to half of what he had amassed over his lifetime. That's true repentance. It's works and words. Jesus says this. He says, he says the only way, verse, 10, verse 9, sorry. The, the only way you can be found is if you recognize that you're lost. Should we stand to our feet together? I want to finish off with a short prayer. And I want to pray for those people who recognize this morning that they're lost. That's the only way Jesus can find you. If you are denying the fact that you're lost, Jesus can't find you. If you are trying to be strong when you know that the truth is that you are weak, Jesus can't find you. If you are too busy pretending and projecting and hoping that people like, like the kind of projection that you're putting forward and more invested in your reputation than in your relationship with Jesus, you can't be found. I want to tell you some frank truths. The only way Jesus is going to find you is if you recognize that you need to be found. And you recognize that you're done pretending. Done pretending. Here's my weakness. I'm bringing it before you, Lord. Because if I bring you my weakness, your strength can be perfected in it. Done pretending to be strong. Done pretending to have it all together. And so if you are ready to respond to the invitation Jesus is making, saying, I invite you to sit with me in your house, I want to pray for you. That's you if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never had a relationship with Jesus. You had a relationship with Jesus so many years ago, or, or it, doesn't, it doesn't even have to be years, but the point is that some of us say we have relationship, 
but, but, but our lives are not, do not align. Our lives don't say we have a relationship. If I'm describing you in any of these things, I want to invite you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you. Ready to stop pretending. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Thank you because you're ready to stop pretending. Thank you. You're ready to stop pretending. Thank you for bringing your weakness. Thank you for bringing your weakness. Raise those hands high. You're bringing your weakness before him. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for bringing your weakness. Here's what I want to do. If you've got your, your, your hands raised, would you please grab your belongings and come to the front here because I want to pray for you. And if you're here with somebody who had their hands raised, feel free to come up with them and support them. But come on up here. I want to celebrate you and I want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. 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 When we are weak, he is strong. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. All of you here are making a declaration that it is his strength that you will appeal to, not some kind of a fake strength. That you're done pretending. That your decision is to walk in true and intimate relationship with him from this day forward. Amen. Just pray with me. And we're going to pray together because we're family and this is a family moment. And so, Lord Jesus, today I declare I am done pretending. I declare that you are strong in my weakness. So I bring my weakness to you. I am responding to your invitation for relationship. I choose to make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. May I never be the same again. Amen.